Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Science Faction. The only show where a scientist, a comedian, and a comedian scientist come together to discuss science. Comedically. Hello, and welcome to Science Faction 605. Science Faction, the pollutants you never knew. Is this going to be like um, your mom's passive aggression? Like things like that, like, you know, things like going to therapy. I don't, I feel like that would be a pollutant you would know is your mom's passive aggressive nature. Well, I think it depends, you know, were you the good son or were you the bad son? The bad son's more likely to recognize it, but the good son, uh, he's he's lost Mm -hmm. in the sauce. He's lost in approval and spiting his siblings. What do you think, you know, thinking of pollutants that you encounter uh, in the environment, you bring up one that most people wouldn't think of the acerbic mother, so to speak. What what would be another pollutant in the environment most people don't account for? Well, I mean, just like the, the toxic mother, I'm going to go with what I know, the toxins in my environment that have affected me. Um, what I'm going to answer then another pollutant is feces, which is just found on your pillows, on your hands, when you do engage in the, in the type of sex play that a very strict mother uh, generates. Uh, also, it's amazing how much feces is covering your pink eye medicine bottle. <laughs> I'm not going to wash my hands before I touch the pink eye. That's why I'm going to the pink eye medicine. I don't need to change my lifestyle as long as there's medication. You know what they say, pink eye is a vicious cycle when you refuse to wash your hands. You know, people wonder, why would you marry a woman with IBS? I have my reasons. I have my reasons. <laughs> your pink eye has gotten so bad it's referred to as purple eye. Hey, you're beautiful to me. There's always somebody for somebody, uh, miss. Yeah, you don't have to wear that diaper around the house. Not when I'm here. <laughs> oh, and speaking of the person who wears that diaper around the house, I, of course, am your host, comedian <laughs> archaeologist Robert Timothy. With me, as always, is my comedian, Mr. Damien Mercado. Damien, how you doing this afternoon? I am, you know, I, I, me and my wife have a very, as a, have a good joking relationship, so I don't think she'd care. But in this instance, I'm glad she hasn't listened to the podcast, because I don't yeah. think she'd be a fan of that last series of jokes. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say adult diapers. They could have been child diapers. You could have a fetish. I don't know, and I'm not making assumptions. <laughs> I could have a fetish, Bobby. What? <laughs> uh, and thank you to all of our listeners. Make sure to go ahead and check out Robert Timothy on Patreon if you want to hear a whole extra episode of Science Faction every single week. And I have fantastic news, which is that our uh, our screen printing has finally come through. So for those of you who are listening, who are already on our Patreon feed, your shirts and sweatshirts will be going out next week. If you want to get in on that before the first round heads out, go ahead and get to Patreon. Sign up for our other episode of Science Faction under Robert Timothy and get yourself a sweet Science Faction shirt or sweatshirt. I don't know if our anti-mom pro-feces intro uh, is going to uh, knock off a few of those shirt orders, if you know what I mean, Bobby. I don't know if you'll have to send those out. You, you know what? You bring up a good point. Let me make a statement. None of the shirts nor sweatshirts have been in Damien's home, nor has he physically touched them. Not yet. But I've impersonated a postal worker before, and I'll do it again. 
by the way, I'm super, super excited about those sh- these shirts. Those of you guys who've been following us for long enough know that we, we had like some issues in COVID. There was literally two different shops that I contracted, screen printing shops that went out of business. I guess they took a hard hit during COVID. But I was just like printing out like kind of just regular science faction shirts. They had our logo on it. That was it. Uh, when I finally decided to buckle down and I'm like, all right, I'm going to one of the big professionals who I know isn't going to close up in the next three months. And I'm going to have a designer do this. I was like, you know what? Let's do an idea that, you know, it's science-based, but it's not a science faction shirt. So I just made a cool shirt about science that I would like to wear, and that is going to be the Science Faction Patreon shirt we send out. I hope you like it. It is somewhat of a math-slash-science visual pun. So let me get this straight. We have the opportunity to have a bunch of people in the community go around and generate interest for our podcast as walking billboards. Yes. And, and we could have designed anything we wanted, even a really cool design. Mm-hmm. But you decided to go with a pun or wordplay. Yeah, I don't even know if pun, puzzle, math, it's I don't it's a fun shirt. You decided to go with a brain teaser. Yeah, it is kind of Damn it, autism. You've you've defeated us again. <laughs> uh, and let's move right on to science articles. From molecules to particles. This is science articles. This is why I bag on autism so hard. This is why I'm so negative. I am a victim of Bobby's. This and that (laughs) guy who shot up that classroom. (laughs) Yeah, I still have a bullet uh, next to my heart. Oh, dear. Article number one, everybody methanes. Are we trying to identify with rural Americans? Like, hey, you're a rural American. Everybody meths a bit. Oh, meths. No, I said methanes. So this would be kind of like a uh, take on the old children's book, Everybody Poops. Only in this case, it is everybody, meaning every living being, releases methane. You know, but let's scapegoat the cows. Am I right? Yeah. Well, no, so this is actually super interesting news. So for those of you guys, and you can be excused if you're one of them who are not aware of certain biochemistry things, we are very concerned about methane for a few reasons. Number one, it is like 26 times as potent a greenhouse gas as CO2. So it's incredibly potent a greenhouse gas and it gets released quite a bit. So it gets released from, you know, like it can be sometimes found on the top of oil wells and stuff and just basically vented off. And so a lot of times this can be a problem. It also becomes, you know, natural gas in some form that we then utilize for for our resources, and that's fantastic. The problem with methane is that it is a huge greenhouse gas. It is very, very, very effective at that. Now, we have known for a long time that methane gets released from oil industry work. It gets released from other type of industry work. It gets released by cows burping. We talked a lot about that in our seaweed article uh, last year, our huge seaweed article. It gets released by people. People who are farting release a little bit of methane, and it gets released by certain microorganisms, specifically archaea, which we have talked about on this show, might have caused a runaway greenhouse effect that led to a huge extinction 200 some odd million years ago called the Permian extinction because they were just pumping out a a whole bunch of methane. So methane can be produced by certain animals. However, we didn't realize until recently, like basically the last 10 years, we started realizing that a lot more animals than we thought produce methane, a lot more plants than we thought produce methane. And in fact, what it looks like now, according to this article, And a lot more TikTokers in Brazil are farting as well as part of an obsession with Brazilian fart porn. And I know that because reference our intro. Sorry to detract you with Brazilian fart porn, Bobby. 
I'm just, you started mentioning farts a bit ago, and it's hard for me to uh, to uh, pod while erect. Well, so about 16 years ago was when we initially discovered even the first evidence that plants release methane in the presence of oxygen. And we have been researching this basically at a very high level for a long time. And the reason that this particular paper was so interesting is, I'm going to give you a quote from it here. When researchers observed that also fungi, algae, and cyanobacteria formed methane under aerobic conditions, enzymatic activities were assumed to be responsible. However, the researchers never found a corresponding enzyme in any of these organisms. And so we have kind of been confused for at least 16 years. When we first started realizing that certain plants actually produce methane, we started like looking into what was going on and wasn't necessarily readily explainable as, oh, okay, well, these things must be producing methane. There were a couple of, well, this could be a mistake, or maybe we're just seeing inorganic chemistry, you know, a, a occurring near organic life forms, blah, 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 blah. And basically researchers were able to show using a particular bacteria, Bacterius subtilis, that there's a close connection between metabolic activity and the extent of methane formation. And so as they were watching it, the more metabolic activity, especially if you had oxygen involved, leads to a chemical reaction that ends up producing methane. It's not quite the same thing that's going on in like archaea or cows, uh, in the case of archaea, where they're actually producing methane themselves. In this case, what's going on is it leads to the formation of reactive oxygen species in cells, which include hydrogen peroxide and hydro radicals. Then when iron is introduced, the Fenton reaction takes place, which is a reaction between iron and hydrogen peroxide, that leads to the formation of a highly reactive iron compound and hydroxyl radicals. They then found that the more oxidative stress you had, and that can be from physical or chemical stuff, the more methane formation took place. So what we found is, if you look at this, we can see that Every single species, whether they're a human being, a dandelion, or a slug, is going to produce methane. Now, it's not the same. We are not producing a cow's level of methane. We are not producing an oil gas wells full of methane. Most of these animals aren't even producing an ungu a normal ungulate or, uh, uh, you know, grass grazing animals amount of methane. They're producing a small amount through an indirect process in which their body produces a different chemical that essentially will later become methane. It's really important, though, for a few reasons. One is, methane can be how we detect certain forms of life. And if you are looking for archaea based solely on methane, you need to know that other bacteria can produce methane in other types of chemical reactions that happen close by because otherwise your results are off and you are going to think you have archaea in your sample when you don't. Does methane occur naturally? I, I mean, obviously, if it's part of oil wells, it occurs as a, a, a byproduct of, you know. And volcanism, yeah. <laughs> Live long, Bobby. <laughs> That's not what volcanism means. And methane. Now, this is really interesting. It might seem like it's like, uh, like, oh man, this is going to make methane reduction even harder. And maybe to some extent it is, but we are still dealing with a, a very tiny amount of release. Mainly, this is understanding a chemical reaction that we previously didn't understand before. And that in and itself is really exciting. Understanding how living organisms process the materials around them and then the byproducts that come out of there are incredibly interesting, not just for knowing how our life works, but also for the potential of looking for other life 
and other planets. And methane is one of those chemical signatures that we can look for when we look for life on other planets. And so knowing the, the formation of methane happens not just with things like archaea and cows, but at least on Earth with all life is an important part of finding life on other planets. We have to know where to invade next after we've ruined this shithole. All right, on to article number two, leadheads. Is this a derogatory term that teachers in the Flint system call the kids? No, this was actually uh, before the early 1920s leatherhead version of football. This was the ill-fated <laughs> and bad for many reasons leadhead version of football where you would wear a solid lead helmet and smash into the guy in front of you. Yeah, it turns out uh, only guys who had, uh, you know, necks like, uh, like an obese man's thigh really survived uh, wearing the helmet. So <laughs> Yeah, few people know that running backs did not used to lower their heads and try and bust through the line. They would just run upright. It wasn't until the introduction of the lead helmet in which you could not keep your head upright <laughs> that they would pull through the defensive line. Yeah, a couple of shattered sternums later, we learned that, that maybe leather was better. <laughs> yeah, and also we, uh, we somehow made our football players even dumber. <laughs> it's still better than bare-knuckle boxing. So this is an interesting article on one of Science Faction's favorite topics, which is lead, its introduction and pollution into America, and the damage it caused neurologically to entire generations of Americans. Yes, we talked on this show. We're currently living with a baby boom generation that had to deal with uh, lead in their gasoline as kids, and they're currently ruining democracy on the way out. Dude. Damien, not only, I mean, that is true, but when you hear something in this article, you are going to be very surprised because I would have characterized it more as that before, but you are going to be very surprised in terms of who lead affects the most. Podcasters <laughs> with feces finishes? Oh no. Podcasters whose disgruntled wives may want to divorce them soon <laughs> after hearing certain podcasts. <laughs> Sweetie. I'm sorry I told all of our fans, thousands of people all over the world, that you like pooping on me. Babe, can you come out of the bathroom? I know you're going. This is a really bad time to talk to you about this. I know. <laughs> so we have talked about lead on this show a bunch. To me, it's one of the most interesting stories in America, frankly, and in science, because it tells the story of how we accidentally poisoned like 80 years of children. Accidentally? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it depends where you want to start. So like... We didn't know that lead was bad for us. We had no idea. Again, it had been used since Roman times and piping and whatnot. Nobody had any idea. And lead has had a lot of uses throughout times. I mean, lead was used in Roman times for lead pipes, but it's still used today for lead piping. Football helmets. <laughs> yes, of course, and early football helmets. And it's used that way because, you know, you can bend it. It's a somewhat soft and malleable metal. It works well. It retains that water. And, oh, by the way, lead pipes don't usually caused lead poisoning. It's really interesting, but basically water as it goes through mineralizes the inside of the pipe and so very quickly essentially creates a barrier between the water and the lead. And a lot of places have lead pipes. I had to look, but I would think most places in the US have some form of lead piping system and it does not cause problems. For the wealthy people who can afford to have their water shipped from Colorado. 
I agree. If you look at the Flint thing, and I, I don't know if you remember because we covered this a little bit, but uh-huh. like it wasn't like they suddenly installed lead pipes. There had been lead pipes in Flint for 150 years. What happened is the like acting Republican governor decided to skimp Snyder. on some water treatment, and that water treatment basically was keeping that calcium layer on the lead pipe. It knocked it off. Now all of a sudden, the calcium could not form and was not protecting you, and then everybody got lead poisoning. Well, we have to balance the budget, and we can't raise taxes on the DeVosses. So what the hell did you expect them to do? It, it was honestly like so jokingly low. It was it was like a it was like a $200 a month water treatment plan. It was for the for the municipality. It was such a joke of a bill that caused all this trouble. But regardless, used for pipes, actually back in Roman times, they would purposely put powdered lead in their wine because lead is sweet. It tastes sweet. And so they would use it as a sweetener in their wine. It's one of the reasons little kids will eat paint chips. Lead paint chips is because they're sweet. They uh, go well with salsa and guacamole as well. <laughs> paint chips. They were for a long time found in paint because it can help solidify paint. So that's why you hear about leaded paint a lot. Uh, Sometimes that can happen on toys. They can be found in amalgamated metals. And then for a long time, starting in 1923 until in parts of the country, 1996, it was put in gasoline to avoid something called engine knock. And that lead made the engine run smoother. The problem was it was ejected out the back in gaseous form that could then be breathed in or would fall down on the dirt and playgrounds that little kids were playing in nearby the roads and then get ingested. And the bigger problem is that when humans ingest lead, it's really bad for their body. In terms of the brain, it gets incorporated in the brain, especially in children. It is really, really, really bad for children. Their growing brains will absorb that lead, put it inside their brain, and that lead is toxic and causes brain damage. As a matter of fact, we know that certain amounts of lead will cause brain damage. And you might ask, well, then what was going on for the you know, 70 plus years that we had lead and gas, were we just giving brain damage to all the kids that were no, nearby cars? they were cars? burning women at stakes and calling them witches. <laughs> well, it was 1923, but... It- Okay. Yeah, the answer is yes, Insert we were. whatever ridiculous, they were being Catholic. Insert whatever thing <laughs> dumb people do. They were. They were absolutely doing that. Kids were breathing this in, and it was making them dumber. And in fact, this article we're talking about got to measure how dumb it made them. Indifferent to civil rights. <laughs> <laughs> Levels of dumb. So this is, I mean, it's going to get crazy when you hear some of these numbers. First, I should say that, yes, eventually we did get lead out of gas. And that depends on where you live. Here in in California, that was done in the 70s, along with paint, lead was gotten out of gas. But if you lived, I think some of the holdouts were like some of the southern states. So like if you lived in like Alabama, you could still fill up with leaded gasoline after you heard about the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Like it was 1996. We were in the modern era. There were fucking computers at home. You could be on a big old Nokia cell phone and you could be filling leaded gas into your car. To be fair, though, in California, there still were places that did that. I know because my deadbeat fucking dad on the few times I saw him, he drove an old VW bug and it had to have leaded <laughs> gasoline. To be fair, though, when you have such a sweet ride as a VW Bug, it's hard to move on. So, like I said, finalized in 96, and researchers say anyone born before the end of that era, especially those born at the peak, had concerning high lead lead exposure as children. The peak was actually not the 40s where where you might have thought, Damien. It was the 60s and 70s. 
Yes, when car manufacturers and oil executives were, were ignoring scientists and auto manufacturing was all over. But what I'm saying is I have always thought similar to you that kind of leaded gasoline came in and peaked and then went was kind of going on its way out. And so because of that, I would have thought the peak was sometimes in the middle of the century. And like you said, you know, kids growing up in the 40s, 50s, something like that. It turns out it's 60s and 70s. And that's a big difference. And not only that, but this effect is not small. Make America great again. Ivermectin paste. Mm-hmm. They found that leaded gasoline stole a collective 824 million IQ points from more than 170 million Americans alive today. This isn't all time. This is just saying about people walking the earth as you are hearing this. This isn't even most of the people with whom lead was affecting or gasoline, lead and gasoline was affecting. This is just the amount that are still alive today. We are 824 million IQ points dumber because people didn't like the sound of a knock in their engine in 1923. Think of it. That was also the height of car culture as well, where dudes yeah. would just like floor it and like really like inhale those fumes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like late 60s, early 70s, you're talking about old school carbureted muscle cars that got like 10 and a half miles to the gallon. <laughs> you're just hot boxing with lead. Yeah, no shit. I'm well aware of what these people are doing in their in their old age. <laughs> and the shit they'll believe. I mean, that is crazy. So here's a quote. Using publicly available data on U.S. childhood blood lead levels, leaded gas use, and population statistics, they determined the lifelong burden of lead exposure carried by every American alive in 2015. From this data, they estimated lead's assault on our intelligence by calculating IQ points lost from leaded gas exposure as a proxy for harmful impacts on public health. Now, Damien, I'm going to ask you, what do you think the average loss of IQ points calculated was? So... We're not talking about people who didn't lose any, but of those who did, which again is most half. people. Half. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So again, half, because we're at 170 million people. Uh, I'm saying that's 13, and that's significant. You know, if somebody is yeah. 10 points below the national average IQ, that is noticeable. <laughs> that is, we, can't, we don't talk about politics or science. No, it is lower than that. It is three points, with some of the higher ones up at six points. Those are both significant numbers mm -hmm. because I want you to consider a few things. IQ is relatively stable across age and time until we get to what is essentially the decline of mental function in like the 60s or 70s, or if we have some kind of mental defect, either a disease or, or a physical injury. IQ stays pretty solid basically throughout your life. And so when we're seeing three-point IQ differences, that is fairly significant. Now, on some of the higher lead levels, we are seeing six or six seven point IQ differences. These are really big deals because three points is going to make a difference, but it's not going to be the end of the world. Seven points could very realistically take somebody who is, let's just say on the dumber side of average and make them mentally handicapped. Mm -hmm. Yes. By the way, in the U.S. Army, I met a few guys who were like, there was nothing physically wrong with them, 
but their IQ was like so low that you, I mean, like I've been a caregiver. I've worked in special ed classrooms. I've met sure. many people who were on uh, uh, the spectrum or had to be in a severely handicapped class, but were higher functioning than this person who I did. I think the army cleared them. They gave them a physical. There's nothing. Isn't there some kind of wonderlick test you guys have to take and you have to hit some kind of like smarter than chicken like number to yes. get there? Like there's a, there's a pecking chicken. There's not a score you meet. It's just that every test there is a chicken sitting next <laughs> to the inductee who pecks randomly at buttons. <laughs> the rule is not that you have to hit any minimum score because then they could not change it in wartime. In wartime, they just bring in dumber chickens. <laughs> you would think so, Bobby, but remember, uh, we are an all-volunteer military force. <laughs> And we were, uh, and turns out this award in Iraq and Afghanistan was very unpopular. So what happens is if you are too dumb, yes, you take an ASVAB. That is the military aptitude test, mm-hmm. whatever. If you score, I believe it's below a 60 and like the army is like the, and by the way, I think that's like percentage of like pool of recruits. So if you're like dumber yes, than sure. 60 fucking percent of the population, sure. then I think the army on paper doesn't want you. But in reality, what happens is the army will still take you because they need bodies, but the recruiter doesn't get credit for bringing you in. <laughs> And so it's it's behoove of him to not spend time on dum dum. You know what? That's great because that just that just offers a great insult you can throw out to those in the like. You're so dumb, your recruiter didn't get paid. <laughs> yes, well, he still gets paid. He just gets yelled at behind the scenes. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're so dumb. They docked his pay. By the way, there's only like four jobs you can have if the waiver, it's like some, there's like some waiver you have to sign. There's like only four jobs you can have. It's like cook, truck driver, infantry, hooray, let's give him a rifle. (laughs) You don't need a brain to stop a bullet. That's the lesson. First of all, I thought cooks were highly esteemed because I saw a documentary about one who was aboard a Navy ship who then had to fight off some invaders. And first of all, I was under the impression that almost all cooks are former Navy SEALs. <laughs> get busted down. In order to become a cook, you have to be busted down for us from a Navy SEAL. You have to punch your commanding officer. <laughs> Isn't that what, what happened in the great under siege wars of the 90s? <laughs> no, but I can tell you this, and this is just a universal truth. Uh, if you're ever talking to veterans, the people who talk the most about the military and make it their personality, and just within the San Diego comedy scene, I can name like 10. Uh, so, but the people who did shit and saw shit, they'll never talk about it. Like if it wasn't for the, yeah. this show, I'd never fucking mention this shit. You're 100% correct. I know plenty of combat veterans and I know plenty of people who were in the military and never saw combat. And you hear a lot more from the second crowd. Yes. And so every cook I've ever met, and it's I'm not here to shit on jobs in the military. Every job's important. You know, rock on. You, you and I earned the same, but you had less of a chance of dying. You're smarter than me as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> But uh, I have to imagine if you're a cook, every cook imagine themselves as Casey Ryback from Under Siege, you know, Steven Seagal's character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they all tell that same story. Yeah, I got busted down from Green Beret. So now I was uh, I'm serving omelets at the DFAC. Also, they gave me a waiver for this ponytail. Yeah. By the way, Steven Seagal is also fat and has a ponytail. So is it not conceivable <laughs> that I, this cook, hitting on you and this barman, am also a Navy SEAL and because I'm fat and have a ponytail? <laughs> You know, no, everybody talks about the bad Steven Seagal does, what with the sexual assaults and the sucking up the despots. Yeah, and all all the sex slaves and whatnot. But nobody talks about the good, which is that he definitely gets fat dudes with ponytails laid. (laughs) Laid? (laughs) Or ranting about uh, alpha males online. 
Oh, dear. So very, very cool. I love that lead stuff. All that stuff like the lead. We talked about hookworm before. All that stuff where we find out, holy shit, we're making ourselves stupid and all we have to do is a simple thing to not do that anymore. That means a lot because, uh, I mean, if it's if it's narrow, it's not a big deal. But on huge end numbers, when we're talking about like all of America who lives within a few miles of a, of a road that has leaded gasoline being used on it, we are talking about a major demographic shift in our country towards the dumber and that it happened because of something we can point to and thankfully that thing is now at least out of our gasoline and out of most other things and so hopefully it won't continue happening but the future generations will literally be smarter than the past ones because we are not putting this dumbass shit in our brain and I am most interested in I wonder what the next thing is I wonder what the next thing we're gonna find that you and I have been doing for fucking 15 years that is very very neurotoxic and we won't figure out till our kids generation we've been reporting on it already man it's 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 whatever we're doing for Alzheimer's eating with tinfoil yeah it's also related to poop bacteria so not eating right I guess my I have a few like thoughts on that I think we're gonna find out anesthesia is way is a way bigger deal than we thought uh, we've covered a few cases on like anesthesia on kids but like I, I don't know I had a surgery like a year and a half ago and I was out for a long time they put me out for like six hours or whatever I was not like I didn't know math for like three days like you know people go like oh I was groggy for a while my mind was not right for probably six days there's something big going on there and I think that it would not be unreasonable to think that big thing has pretty severe consequences we've talked about it a lot COVID. That's going to yeah, be one affecting absolutely. neuro neurology for a while. Yeah, COVID will be a big one. This this actually might be the COVID of the previous generations, only it was uh, spouted by asymptomatic Ford Mustangs as they were driving down the road. It also skewed a lot more towards the people who uh, who ate a lot of lead, too. So it's in a lot of ways, it's the second wave of lead. Unfortunately, it's skewed towards poorer people because poorer people tend to be those who live closer to the roads. So there you go. All right. Thank you, audience, for coming back for Science Faction 605, where you learned about how everyone methanes and why we're no longer leadheads. Thank you so much for joining us. And come on back next week for Science Faction 606. All right. It's me, 1912 football coach. All right, everybody. Remember Jimmy, the kid with polio who uh, couldn't run or walk very well? We told him we let him score the final touchdown on our last game. Well, don't worry about that. Lead helmet broke his neck. God rest his soul. Let's win this one for Timmy and for all the monarchs of Europe who will certainly hold their seats for many years to come. You've been listening to Science Fiction. Wait, that's not right. Mm-hmm.